You're listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast, a weekly show of our Sunday sermons that give you a way to connect with God, grow in faith, and find wholeness. Thanks for joining us. Here's the message. Hello, and welcome to my home. Here we are in COVID. Uh, Things are kind of bonkers. Uh, So the pastoral team, we've decided to record from home for for everybody's safety, to be honest. And uh, that's where I am. This is my office. Uh, Welcome. Welcome to my house. I know you've been dying to see it, I'm sure, in this world of COVID. So uh, things are a little quiet, believe it or not. Uh, One kid is in bed and another is working that way. Uh, There may be some dogs running around, but barring anything uncertain, we should have some (laughs) interrupted time. Tried this before, didn't work. Uh, but I, I appreciate you tuning in today. Uh, I have some I have some important things I want to talk to you about, and uh, I appreciate you being a part of this. So uh, I was thinking about uh, as things have sort of settled down here in this election season. Uh, I was thinking about you know some uh, letting my mind wander back to some previous memories from elections, and one memory that stands out is the 2008 election season. Now, that was an historical election season in many ways. You know, there was this uh, longtime U.S. Senator war hero in John McCain uh, running against this upstart one-term, pres- uh, one-term senator in Barack Obama, who, oh, by the way, also happened to be an African-American, right? And uh, I remember it so well because it was the first time I really started to like talk politics with my grandparents. And uh, my grandmother in particular was quite memorable. She was quite a McCain fan, and, you know, can you blame her? Uh, She was born in 1935, just a year older than John McCain, and they were both of the so-called silent generation whose lives were shaped by the Great Depression, World War II, and then the Cold War. So they had much in common. McCain had served in the Navy, and my my grandmother married an Air Force guy, my grandfather, Don Bias, uh, and they, they both died about the age of 81, my, both a few years back. Uh, but similarities aside, what I remembered most is how I could ruffle my grandmother's feathers uh, by bringing up the name Barack Obama when we were talking around the dinner table. Uh, she was all in a McCain, but she, she thought he was too old. Uh, she unfortunately didn't leave to see today when we have a bunch of seven-year-olds uh, who were running for office. But anyway, she thought his chances were limited. And I'd say something like, hey, how about that Barack Obama? Or, oh, Obama seems to be doing pretty well in the polls. And, you know, this annoyed smile would come across her face. Ah, uh, it was the good old days. Yes, when my grandparents were alive. But also, when it was safe to talk politics in mixed company. And I should, I want to add here, just as a, an aside, uh, this office, as you see it, is kind of like a memoriam to my grandparents. This painting behind me was in my grandparents' house. This couch uh, behind me was in my wife's grandparents' house, Cranus. And there's a, there's a quilt over here in the corner. I don't know if you can see it. My grandmother made in this desk on which everything is sitting on, my grandfather made. So, uh, as I mentioned last week, though, we find ourselves in such a time and place where people wouldn't dare talk politics uh, unless they were assured that the people they're conversing with 
were already in alignment with them, lest they alienate or risk upsetting a friend or a family member. And if you don't believe such a thing could happen today, just go back, just go back and listen to my message from last week, because the stories are terrible. You know, mothers and sons, grandparents and grandchildren, lifelong friends at odds because somebody said something they disagreed with or supported an opposing candidate. You know, it seems like we're in a place, a time and place, where we can't be too careful. Say something the wrong way and someone is sure to get upset. In many ways, we're all too easily offended. Now, please, like, please, like, don't take this to be a diatribe against PC culture. Often it's the people who are railing against political correctness themselves who are the most easily offended. There's my daughter sneaking out of bed. <laughs> I told her to stay off camera. That's her head. <laughs> 2020, folks. Yet conversely, I think there are also times when uh, people assume nefarious intentions when there was no ill will meant. The point is, when we're easily disrupted or shaken, I'm not shaken by my daughter, but when we're easily disrupted or shaken by the words or actions of others, we're going to have a hard time in life. Now, again, I'm not giving license for people to be disrespectful jerks. I'm all in favor of people being civil, respectful, and considerate. What I am saying is if we're unable to know who we are, what we're about, and what's important to us, then we're going to be bound for trouble. I want us to consider the story, a well-known story from the Bible, that of Adam and Eve. Now, if you know the, if you know the Bible at all, you know history of, history of Christianity at all, religion, a lot of it goes back to Adam and Eve, right? So, in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the story of cre the creation of the world is told. There she is. Scoot over, dear. Wham. <laughs> So we read the story of Adam and Eve. God created this guy named Adam, then created a woman named Eve. God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where they're told to eat everything, uh, anything and everything they could want to eat, except for this one tree of the knowledge of the fruit of good and evil, right? So if they do this, God tells them, if they eat of this tree they're not supposed to, they will surely die. So everything is going great until this snake slithers up and talks to Eve. And here's a spoiler alert. He might not have slithered up the snake, but that's another story. <laughs> Let's leave it there. So obviously there's a lot going over. There's a lot happening here. A snake that might not slither, talking snakes, whatever, right? But we won't, we won't go into that for the sake of time. So let's read the story. So um, in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through six, I think, <laughs> it says that the snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat from the fruit of the garden's trees, but not from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, don't eat it, don't touch it, or you will surely die. The snake said to the woman, you won't die, God knows that on the day you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and gave some to her husband who was with her and ate too. So when God takes them to task, 
after this and says, hey, what happened? You ate from the tree. We talked about that. Why'd you do that? Uh, it's interesting. What happens? Adam says he ate because Eve gave him some. Eve says she ate because the snake tricked her into doing it. In short, neither Adam or Eve were very well defined. They were far too easily influenced by the words and actions of another. This brings to mind a concept known as differentiation. Differentiation is the ability to be emotionally connected to others, yet not dependent on them for your self-worth or sense of well-being. Now, for the past few weeks, we've been talking about family systems theory as part of our message series, Serenity Now, helping you and me and all of us deal with the stress and anxiety that's swirling around us in these anxious times. As I mentioned last week, one of the ways we deal with anxiety uh, in those around us is by cutting them out, cutting them out of our lives, which is why we have this intense polarization in our nation. So many Americans have simply cut themselves off from anyone who votes differently or thinks differently than them, and that is a recipe that is a recipe for disaster. Trust me on this. The solution then, the solution then is to become a differentiated person. And you may be wondering, well, what does that look like? And if you're paying attention last week, you know the answer. It looks like Jesus. And one story in particular comes to mind, that of Jesus as a young boy in the Jewish temple. So in Jewish religious culture, uh, families often made religious pilgrimages to the temple. And in the book of Luke in the New Testament, Jesus goes with his family to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when it's, when it's time to leave and his family's ready to go home, he's nowhere to be found. And when his parents go to look for him, they finally find him, they find him in the temple. Now, obviously anxious and worried like any parent would be, uh, trust me on that, like we'd be anxious and worried if I was, if I was that parent. They scold him for going missing. Like, what are you doing, Jesus? But Jesus' reply, <laughs> why are you looking for me? Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be about my father's business and in my father's house? Now, I want you to notice this. Don't pay attention to Lexi. Pay attention to this. Notice this because it's the most important point. A differentiated person is able to listen and be shaped by the story of another without losing their own story. They're able to listen and be shaped by the story of another without losing their own story. Jesus, even as a young boy, probably 12, 10, something like that, 14, a tween or early teen, right? He's able to listen to the story of his parents, probably even be saddened that he, he worried his parents, yet ultimately st stick to what he believed to be true, that he had to be about his father's business. Jesus then, as a differentiated person, was able to listen and be shaped by the story of another without losing his sense of self. You know, when I think back to all the division and polarization in our nation, I believe much of it comes down to this fundamental truth. We are unable to be shaped by the story of another without feeling like we are losing ourselves. I mean, th think back, if you remember 
the story about all the controversy that came about after the New York Times released their 1619 project. So I don't know if you heard about this, but it's this ongoing project developed by the New York Times Magazine in 2019, which aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of the national narrative. So for many undifferentiated people, the reaction was swift and fierce. Conservative commentators called it propaganda. One senator proposed like banning the project from being used in public schools. The president uh, was going to develop a 1776 commission to develop a patriotic curriculum. Like, remember what I just said. Being able to listen and be shaped by another story without feeling like we're losing our own self. If you're an American, especially a white American like me, you need to listen. I need to listen to the stories of black Americans, to the story of African Americans, to the stories of Native Americans. We need to listen to these stories and we need to hear their stories without feeling like we're losing ourselves. Like we need to listen and be able to hear their stories, be shaped by their stories without feeling like, like, like we're losing ourselves. I think I mentioned this a few months back, but back in January before COVID hit, I went to Ancestry.com and did some research on my own family lineage. It's, it was really quite interesting, to be honest. Like, uh, I, have a, I have an ancestor who came across on the Mayflower. I have, I have relatives who fought in the Revolutionary War, the Civil War. Uh, my family lineage goes all the way back to 15th century Britain. And, and probably farther, to be honest. Like, it's, it's a cool story. You can get lost in those things. Um, yet since January, you know, with the, with the unjust killings of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, like, and so many others, I've listened to a lot of other stories. Stories that have made me feel a lot of different things. Shame, disgust, anger, frustration, guilt, like, you name it. And as I've thought about, as I've thought about these things, I've wondered about the incongruence between my story and these other stories. I've wondered about that incongruence. And, and again, the far easier thing to do would just be to ignore it, to deny it, to refuse to talk about it. But that doesn't solve anything. It just, it just exacerbates the problem. It doesn't solve anything. And just increases the tension, the division, the polarization that we're already dealing with. So there's three things, there's three things I want you to consider doing today. First thing is maybe today or maybe some other time when you have some free time. I know it's hard with, with kids and homeschooling and work and all that. But if you can squeeze in some time somewhere, I want you to take a few minutes to think about who you are, what you care about, what matters to you, what makes you who you are, what matters to you and your family. The second thing I want you to do is to, to think about what God says about you. <coughs> what does God say in the scriptures? What do you know to be true that God knows about you? Think about that. And the third thing I want you to do, if I can make three is I want you to listen 
to really listen to the story of another person, especially, especially someone who sees the world differently than you. Now, if you notice today, I'm wearing this uh, number seven jersey, and uh, I'll tell you, Lexi likes it. It's not a John Elway jersey. It's not a uh, Scott Frost jersey or struggling to think of number seven jerseys in history, right? It's a Colin Kaepernick jersey, to be honest. And I know there's a lot of people who would see me in this jersey who would lose their mind. Lexi thinks it's funny, right? In reality, it's not. In, but in truth, we know there's a whole lot of people out there wearing uh, MAGA shirts, MAGA hats, all that stuff. And like we, people who are, wear these kind of things, I'll say, people like myself who wear these kind of things might feel the same thing about someone wearing a MAGA hat or a MAGA shirt or whatever. Like the same thing. And the point is that as a differentiated person, I should be able to listen to the story of a person wearing a MAGA hat to listen to their story, be shaped by the story and not lose my true sense of self. Conversely, someone wearing a MAGA hat should be able to listen to me wearing a Colin Kaepernick jersey without losing and be shaped by why I feel like wearing this jersey, be shaped by my story without losing their own story. So think about that. Think about who you are, what matters to you. Think about what God says about you, who God thinks of you. And then like, take some time uh, to reflect on this whole thing. And in listening and considering the story of another, after you've done that, think about like, did anything fundamentally change about you? Did anything fundamentally change about how God sees you? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, and the truth is, when we're able to know who we are, when we're able to understand how God thinks of us, will be able to listen and appreciate the stories and perspectives of others, even if they are different than our own. Like this is what it means to be a differentiated person. This is what it means to know who we are, to know how God thinks of us. We can listen to the stories of another and say, you know what, I, I hear you, I appreciate you, but I know who I am. I know how God thinks of me. And I can still hear your story and be influenced by your story without feeling like I am losing mine. Now, before I'm done, I want to share one last thing. So for years, uh, for years and years, my grandparents had a framed copy of the poem, If, by Rudyard Kipling, hanging in their house. And uh, to this point, I have not yet found a good spot on my wall in here for it. Uh, so it's still in a box, but I'm anxious to get it hung up. And I know Rudyard Kipling is a complicated figure, uh, but when they died, I wanted this framed copy of this poem because I appreciated the words in that poem. So I wanted to read these, these words to you, and I like being able to 
hold all this intention. The complications of who Rudyard Kipling was as a man, uh, but also these words uh, of this poem that speak powerfully to me, and also the memory of my grandparents, like we've already talked about. So I want to read these this word of these poems to you, and I, I hope uh, you'll find them meaningful as, as they are meaningful to me. The poem goes, If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied to about but not deal in lies. Or being hated, don't give way to hating. And yet don't look too good nor talk too wise. If you can drink, if you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thoughts your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you give your life to broken and stoop and stoop and build them up without tools, with worn out tools. If you can make a heap of all your winnings and risk it in one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve you long after they are gone. And so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will to say to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or with, walk with kings and not lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, Yours is the earth, and everything that's in it, and which is more, you'll be a man, my son. If, by Rudyard Kipling. The way to healing in ourselves, in our families, in our nations, I believe, is to know who we are, to know God's love and care for us, and then to consider to listen and consider and be influenced by the stories and perspectives of another. This, I believe, is the way of Jesus, and I believe it is the way to healing. Let's, let's take a moment and pray. God, as I think about all the pain and division and disruption and in my life and in my family, in my community, in our nation. God, I pray for healing. But I know, God, that it has to start with me. It has to start with us. God, may it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mission Gathering Thornton Message Podcast. You can watch our weekly services on Facebook Live every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. And to learn more about joining a group or serving with us, visit our website at mgthornton.org.